Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It is all eyes on Hurricane Ian, and not just because my mother-in-law is down in the Tampa Bay area. It has already made landfall in Cuba, has gone through Cuba, and is on its way right now through the Gulf of Mexico. And the track is once again changed. Right now, this has the storm hitting below Tampa, which is exactly what happens every single time. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, guys? Good to be with you. Sorry I wasn't with you yesterday. Jewish holiday. Jewish New Year. I took the time. I ate good food. Saw some friends. Spent it with family. Exactly as I should. It doesn't mean I didn't miss you. It means um, I enjoyed what I enjoyed. Having lived in Tampa for quite a few years, met my wife in, in, in Tampa, lived to Tampa twice in my life, therefore have done two tours of duty. Storms don't hit Tampa. There is something about the bay. There's something about how the water works. It usually is south, trending between Tampa and Fort Myers. Now, that's pretty bad news for places like Sarasota. Certainly it puts Fort Myers on the strong side of, of that storm where you have uh, the Gulf of Mexico waters giving it strength. If it tracks a little more up north, it could certainly hit Tampa. If it was above uh, Tampa, you'd be hitting this large metro area with the hard side of the storm, creating the most amount of uh, possible uh, storm surge and, and, and other damage. Right now, that doesn't seem to be uh, the way it's looking. It doesn't mean that there aren't other areas south of Tampa. Sarasota, Bradenton, heading down to Fort Myers. Uh, certainly, uh, Naples would, would get a fair amount of flooding opportunities. People are evacuating, but you can't get a flight out. Those have all been canceled. You cannot get a hotel inland. They don't exist. So my 75-year-old mother-in-law is, is hunkered down. Cars in the... In the garage, which is a plus and minus, because it's in the garage, so a tree doesn't fall on it. But if a tree falls in the driveway, she's not going to be able to get out of the garage. Yeah, there's there's always a, a thing, right? And the answer is well, of course, don't live in 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 Florida. Sure, you 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 live in Oklahoma where you have uh, uh, tornadoes, or you live in California where you have earthquakes. Nothing is perfect, people, and it is not climate change, you lunatics. It is a lot of things, but hurricanes have been going on, and no matter what Senator Klobuchar says, it isn't climate change causing hurricanes. And while we have clear disagreements, we don't want, if the Republicans take charge, a number of them have been talking about an abortion ban. You guys know that. You featured on the yeah. show. That's why we've got to win this midterm. We just did something about climate change for the first time in decades. That's why we've got to win this as that hurricane bears down on Florida. we got to win in the midterms. We understand that. But none of that has stopped us from deciding we're going to put our differences aside and get some things done. That is what that vote is today in the Rules Committee, um, where you're going to see a strong bipartisan support, a very good hearing for changes to the Electoral Count Act. Well, we'll get into the changes into the Electoral Count Act and how valueless it is. Uh, but anything that uh, gets them to say the other side wants massive storms that kill people. 
The problem of the political left is that they believe they can legislate weather. The ignorance, the childlike attitude and stylings at play here are remarkable. I wasn't going to do this story until later, but whatever. Was someone going to stop me? There's a story about how um, students in Virginia are doing school walkouts to protest the governor, that's Glenn Youngkin, and his transgender policies. 100 different Virginia public schools, students staging walkouts to protest new policies from the governor that require schools to obtain parental consent before allowing students to adopt new gender identities at schools. This is put forth by a group from Fairfax County in Virginia, Pride Liberation Project, saying they're the only student-led organization for advocating for LGBTQIA plus rights in Virginia. No, you're a bunch of moron kids who should be expelled. Once we expel you, this will stop. This is the problem with school. It's it's for children, and it's run by children. Now, there are plenty of real adults who are teachers out there who don't want any of this, but they're screwed because look at the kids running these schools allowing this walkout to happen. Expelled, suspended, expelled, suspended. Based on what? It's just the way I went. It was like eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Expelled, suspended, expelled, suspended, expelled, suspended, expelled, and that's how you do it. They're kids. They're not activists. They're students. They're there on our dime. Shut your mouth. Go to math class. Now, you might say to me, my gosh, Tony, you sound like you're just a guy screaming, get off my lawn while you yell at the clouds. No. What I am is done pretending, and I've never pretended. I've tried to put a nicer veneer on this. I am done making the attempt to the nicer veneer. Kids don't have rights, and I don't give a damn whether they think they do. But it's very hard to get angry at these kids when the issue is the adults in the room who don't engage them properly. That's why I said they're children being led by children. Because even when you're disgusted with the activity of these kids who somehow think that they're important and special, somehow think that they should have rights, it's like on college campuses, you don't have rights. You're a sophomore in college. You don't know a damn thing. So we're clear, and I want you to know that I said this, you're a schmuck. You're not always going to be a schmuck, but you're a sophomore in college. While you could have a couple things definitely on the ball, you're there to learn. You're not there to engage in activism to force the campus to bend to your will. The campus should throw you out of their system for even thinking you're allowed to do that. If colleges were honest and clear and actually places of higher learning, they would do that. And then we would put an end to this activist class of nonsense. But we don't. We uh, in, in continue to allow them uh, to imbibe. We continue to allow them to drink uh, from this uh, elixir of look how good and decent I am to my activism and encouraging the wokeness. It's detrimental. You don't think parents should have a say in what goes on in their, in their kids' lives? Well, that's because you're 16 and you're dumb. And that you should be told that you're dumb. Because, well, this is the time to be dumb. And I know, Tony, you don't utilize dumb and stupid. What else am I supposed to say? You're inexperienced. You're a child. You don't know any better. All those things are true. And we can utilize those terms, but they also might be dumb. 
because they have not yet had the opportunity to be smart. And part of the problem is they can't say, man, that's not right. They have to go out and engage uh, walkouts. The children in charge of the schools allow this to happen. And so one of the things that Governor Youngkin should be looking at is how he fires these teachers in these schools and replaces them with actual adults, actual professionals who demand that kids go to class, not engage in this activism horse crap. Now, maybe that's exactly how I talk. Maybe it's different for me. I, I, I will tell you that the the gut is has been feeling a, a, a little bit different. I just feel more compelled to be more forceful in the talk. I don't know if I've necessarily changed anything that I already say. I'm just not interested in, in, a, in a bunch of students... Uh, thinking that somehow school walkouts are advocating for LGBTQIA rights. What if there's a gay student who thinks that that transgender stuff doesn't make any sense? They, they, they still part of the letters. Or is it a political movement that you're trying to get more and more kids to be a part of to thwart what it is that schools are supposed to do? Which is why schools should stop engaging this stuff and stop allowing this stuff, stand up against it, and start expelling students in order to ensure that the other students can learn. Who the hell is this group of advocating activist bigots to tell other students they can't learn, they have to be interrupted by these jerks? Nonsense! Throw them out of the school. I don't know if that's new talk for me or not, because I'm pretty sure in my head I've had this conversation before. I know I've had this conversation before. You'll notice I'm not at a lack of words. I'm not searching for for the thought. I've got the thought. I've had the thoughts. I've engaged this and I've worked this around from every single maneuver possible. I want to know about the students who want to learn why they get to be disrupted because this group of activists, this group of pseudo-intellectuals thinks that what they're doing is valuable. Nah, they're disrupting other kids. Throw them out of school. School's there for those who want to learn. This is why, and this is how I know I've thought these things before and I have it all together. This is why I uh, put forth the theory that if you don't have a high school education, if you don't graduate high school, you don't get social services. Oh, 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 that's one of mine, people. That is one of mine. You watch how many kids don't act up in high school. You don't, you don't graduate high school, you do not get social services. Now, there could be all sorts of caveats, uh, different kids, different physical issues, different mental issues, different... There could be reasons why my policy can't work as a blanket. But as a concept, man, does it kick ass and take names. It really does. It really and truly does. We are inundated with the people who want to tell us that their activism is valuable. And you know what none of them talk about? A woman who was murdered in Iran. She wasn't wearing her hijab properly. She wasn't wearing her veil. And so the morality police beat her into a coma and she died. The morality police, which is uh, very much this group of activists in Fairfax County.
They haven't beaten anybody to death. Uh, but there, there was a guy who did run over an 18-year-old because he's a Republican. So, you know, they're working on it. They're figuring, they haven't, they're not wearing a uniform yet, but they'll get there. They'll get there. Well, Masa Amini, who wasn't wearing her hijab properly, beaten into a coma, then dies, and people are now protesting. You see children of Fairfax County and all across Virginia, that's actual protest. You're a bunch of kids engaged in nonsense, thinking that parents don't have rights, which is why you need to be told to sit down and shut your face. In Iran, they get beaten for not wearing a head covering, and you're upset that you can't act out every single part of your personality, no matter what it is, no matter how obnoxious it is, no matter what it is you're feeling real or imaginary, anytime you want. In Iran, they're fighting for their lives, and the women have started fighting for their lives. And yet... Women's groups all across America are not taking this up. This conversation is not leading. I will admit it even took me a couple of days to make sure I had the story proper. I had all the connection points because sometimes things come out that that aren't, you know, all together. The story's not all together. You don't want to be the guy, uh, you know, running with that. You want to make sure you have it. The Ayatollah Khomeini and and the Iranian theocracy are looking at more ways to... um, arrest people, imprison people, engage in death sentences, yet demonstrators are still out there chanting death to the dictator. The students in Virginia think that they're oppressed because their parents get to know whether or not a school is acting against a child's best interest and certainly trying to rip the child from parental responsibility, from the responsibility of parents that they have over their kids. And it's true. Parents have responsibility over their kids. You see that, children? You're not tough. You're not tough. What we need the school to do is tell you no. And if you act up, we expel you. Goodbye. Now you go figure it out. Because you don't get to disrupt the rest of those kids who want to learn. And what you're protesting is nonsense garbage. You're not oppressed. The women of Iran are oppressed, and maybe the teachers should be teaching that so these little kids in Virginia know the difference so they don't grow up to be dumb. I'm Tony Katz. Look, uh, obviously the border's not secure, and I've been saying this for so many years. We got to look at what Secretary Jay Johnson did. Actually, President Trump uh, deported less people than President Obama because we had the right repercussions. You got to have well, the right people repercussions. people were coming in because they had to remain in Mexico. Let's keep it real. Well, actually, no, let's keep it real. Actually, Harris, when you look at it, there were more people going, being deported under, under Secretary right, uh, Jay there Johnson. Well, uh, again, there were less people. If you look at the different numbers, but again, you got to have the right repercussions. And I've been saying this for so many years. Uh, you got to listen to the border communities. You got to listen yes. to the landowners. I've lived in the ranch and being out there in the middle middle of nowhere uh, and not knowing who's going to knock on your door, it can be very difficult. I know be. I've done that before. I- That's Representative Henry Cuellar, a Democrat, talking to Harris Faulkner uh, from from Fox News, and she's pushing back. Uh, And and so it's a debate of of numbers, but it's not a debate of 
there's a crisis at the border. There's a real issue, and the people who are dealing with this aren't being listened to. They're being specifically and particularly ignored. And, of course, that's a fundamental issue. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What is going on, everybody? 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. I... Uh, this was was a story over at Fox. Bad news for Republicans in 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 polling, and I'm like, okay, this is a great example of nonsense press garbage. It's a great example of it. Pennsylvania showdowns. Fetterman topping Oz. Shapiro leading Mastriano a new poll. Now Shapiro uh, is the guy, the Democrat running for. Um, uh, governor, and I have absolutely no doubt, no doubt uh, that um, Shapiro is going to roll right over Mastriano. I no doubt at all. Wasn't a great pick as a candidate. But the Senate race, well, that's a different story. Fetterman Oz is that one, John Fetterman, uh, the lieutenant governor, the man who suffered a, a stroke and clearly has not been the same. Mehmet Oz, uh, the celebrity doctor, Dr. Oz. And they're showing in a poll uh, that um, Fetterman has some kind of 51 to 44% lead. You can believe that all you want. Or you could take a look at... Um, a couple of different polls that certainly shows if you were to take the amalgam that Fetterman is 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 ahead, but you're talking about polls that have margins of error of six, three point eight, and four point two. Where the margin of error is smaller, the lead for Fetterman is smaller. Then you take into the conversation this idea of the submerged Trump voter, people who will not talk at all about what they're doing and how hard it is for pollsters to kind of figure out where people are going. I think Fox News did a story to try and get you to freak out. I'm less freaked out. Look, it's possible that Pennsylvania is just silly enough to vote for a guy who cannot complete a sentence right now because of the stroke he had. Never mind the bad policies he had before the stroke. But am I going to get wrapped up in polls that have margins of error of 6 and 4.2? No, neither should you. Keep it here. I've got a lot to get to. This is Tony Katz today. So there was a tremendous amount made of Letitia James, the New York Attorney General, making these claims, these allegations against President Trump, the Trump Organization, the Trump Children regarding whether or not they were inflating the value of this or the value of that. They were looking to get better deals on, uh, on, on loans. They were looking to uh, you know, show that they had a level of wealth that they, 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 they didn't really have, and therefore it was giving them unfair advantages. And this is something that just can't stand. As a matter of fact, Letitia James, the New York uh, uh, Attorney General, went so far as to say that um, this isn't the art of the deal, it's the art of the steal, which is something that Donald Trump said in one of his books. But this is the same Letitia James who, when she was elected as attorney general, said this. As the next attorney general, I see the law as a sword and as a shield to protect those who are vulnerable because no one is above the law, including this illegitimate president. 
First, I didn't think you could call a president illegitimate. I thought that was incitement of insurrection. Second, every day she's walking in just planning to sue the guy. That's that's a, certainly an irrational point of view. And first of all, sword. It's very much like Stewie saying cool whip. Tony Katz, good to be with you. We have William Jacobson joining us right now, Cornell Law Professor and the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. I bring this up because I had noticed that after the day and a half of brouhaha, the conversation went away. It's much more about January 6th now in terms of ways to attack the president. You took a different tact over the, the weekend. New York Attorney General Letitia James wore on Trump is disgracing the office. And so this now becomes a conversation of whether or not we're actually engaged in uh, valuable legal battles, because I don't favor anybody breaking uh, the, the, the law, um, whether or not we're engaged in rational legal battles or whether we're engaged in ideology over the law. So as you see it, what's wrong with this lawsuit and how is it a disgrace of the attorney general's office? Well, I think the, the issue is not whether there's any merit to the lawsuit. Um, there's disputes about that. Even the New York Times cast doubt on it because it's based mostly on real estate valuations, which can be very subjective. People know that uh, you get two different people to value your house, and they might come up significant percentages differently. doesn't mean one's dishonest or trying to cheat somebody. So there are inherent issues in it. But even if it's true... How did we get here? We got here improperly. We got here through somebody running for attorney general on the promise of investigating a political opponent and sifting through his life and sifting through his family's life in the hope of finding he did something wrong, in the hope of finding a crime. And so if any of our lives were subject to the dozens of people the attorney general has had working on it, um, who knows what they might find? There are so many laws that are so technical. There's a book that was written, I think it was by Harvey Silverglade in Boston, called Three Crimes a Day, that the laws are so complex and there are so many overlapping laws. And so many of them are subject to interpretation that if a prosecutor wants to get you and is willing to devote the resources, they can find something on almost everybody. And when a prosecutor that heads a department that has over 650 attorneys in it and that has 1,700 employees on it, and they say, I am going to get this person. I am going to target this person if I get elected, and then does it. That's an abuse of the office because that's not what a prosecutor is supposed to be doing. A prosecutor is supposed to be prosecuting and investigating where there is evidence of a crime, where there's substantial evidence of a crime, not sifting through somebody's life trying to find a crime, and that's what she did. So whether this civil lawsuit, which isn't even criminal, so apparently she hasn't even found a crime yet, if this civil lawsuit, even if it has merit, it came about through a grossly improper um, procedure from a politician. One of the things that you mention, uh, and, and this conversation, while you have it at LegalInsurrection.com, comes from an op-ed you did at The Daily Caller, and people can find it at, at The Daily Caller. They can go to LegalInsurrection.com and find the article from there. You refer to it as Soviet-level prosecutorial abuse. I often uh, mention Leverancy uh, Beria, who was the head of Stalin's secret police. Show me the man and I'll show you the crime. 
But when we're talking about an attorney general here, that's a serious allegation uh, to make uh, that while we certainly have the audio evidence, as I shared it, that she said she was going to go into office every day and, and to sue him, it could also be seen as a bit of hyperbole for a fan base that isn't actually what she did. Is it your uh, contention and would you be able to back it up uh, in, in any way that absolutely this was show me the man and I'll show you the crime. Let's just search for anything we can throw at him and we'll find something eventually. Well, this wasn't just one statement that she made. She made it repeatedly during the campaign and she made it after she was elected in that Daily Caller article. I quote from her election victory speech in which she says, Uh, whether it was that speech or another one she gave shortly after. She's not only going to go investigate him, she's going to investigate his family. So, yes, and that is what she has done. If you look at what has happened at the New York Attorney General's office for almost three years, they have had a massive investigation. They've had court battles over subpoenas. They served on various Trump entities. And this civil lawsuit is the byproduct of that. I mean, that's the proof that he was targeted, that she she subpoenaed records. She went through his life, went through his businesses' lives. And then uh, – so I, I don't think there's any dispute about that. It's not an allegation. It's what she said she was going to do, and it's what she did. And the result is the civil lawsuit, which apparently being unable to find a prosecutable crime, she is going to try to essentially bar him from doing business in the state of New York and bar his children from doing business in the state of New York. So it's completely abusive. Even if the lawsuit has merit, do we really want attorney generals of a state not targeting an issue, but targeting a person uh, from the get-go? And that's what happened here. I don't think she even hides from it. Has she denied that that's what she did? I, I don't think she's denied. I think she's probably quite proud of it. Talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. You teach law, you you deal with other professors, you've discussed the issues on college campuses before. This is, um, I, I almost want to argue it's more frightening, or one argues it's the natural extension of what has been happening on college campuses. Is, is this theory positioning of Letitia James and possibly some other uh, attorneys general isolated or is this a growing trend that as Americans you're seeing uh, certainly within the world of law and as Americans we have to be very aware of because this is not a world that believes that we are equal under the law. This is a world that believes the law should be utilized to punish those we feel are unequal. Well, you know, I can't think of another example where a Republican attorney general has targeted a specific individual in the way that Letitia James has targeted Donald Trump. Uh, maybe there is such an example. I'm not thinking of it right now, and I can't remember it. So, And I can't even really think of another Democratic attorney general who has gone to the extent she has. And the reason she's done it is Trump's businesses were based in New York. So she had essentially the jurisdiction and the power to do it. Certainly other attorney generals have sued Trump when he was president over policy. That's not complainable at all. I mean, that's appropriate, whether it wins in court or it loses in court. So this is not about challenging policies. This is not about um, trying to uh, challenge an issue. 
this is about going after one person. I, I can't really think of a similar example. A lot of people say the Department of Justice now is going after Trump in a similar way, uh, but they haven't announced that. I mean, Letitia James was unusual in that she was very honest about her intentions. I mean, maybe we should give her credit for that, that she was very honest, that she was her number one job as attorney general was to get Donald Trump. And that's why she was running for office. And that's why she was elected. And that's what she's done. So, you know, I can't generalize this. I can't say uh, certainly a lot of people complain about how the DOJ is treating Trump in a variety of, of mechanisms. And certainly the House uh, select committee is has a war on Republicans. But this is really different because this is somebody who you know, has statutory jurisdiction to prosecute crimes and to in, the power of subpoena, the power of grand, in paneling grand juries. Uh, really, there are very few people who have that power who have done what Letitia James has done. So I can't generalize it. Are we... Should we be expecting this? Like, is this is this a moment in time now vis-a-vis Trump? Or is this an ideology that is inculcated on, on college campuses and this next generation of prosecutors or, or attorneys general or, or those who work within those offices, uh, the, the bad guy is the person who disagrees with them. They're not entitled to disagree, so therefore they have to be personally destroyed. Well, I think we, we've seen that a lot of people you know, talk about the Democrat attempt to criminalize uh, political opposition. You just saw it on the raid that was conducted on that person in Pennsylvania. And there's some dispute as to how aggressive the raid was, but there's no doubt there was a large FBI raid on that uh, anti-abortion activist for allegedly pushing someone to the ground a year ago, okay? Um, and so, and that wasn't even prosecuted by local prosecutors um, because it was apparently so minor. And uh, the Fed swooped down with differing views, how many people, but clearly a lot, 20, 25, something in that range. There's disputes as to whether guns were drawn. But, you know, this is essentially the criminalizing of political opposition. And that's, you know, something that we've seen in um, Matt Getz was uh, targeted by the FBI supposedly on some very salacious accusations and which really uh, grounded him in many ways from the political process for a couple of years. And then on a Friday, they announced there's nothing there and nothing's going to happen. You know, why was he targeted? Uh, So there's a whole lot of things that are going on that make people worry that what we're seeing with the Democrats is the criminalization of political opposition and really, I think Letitia James is the poster child for that. Uh, I think she is perhaps the worst example of that because she was so open about it. And when a prosecutor is so open about it, it sends a chilling message throughout the political system. She even went so far, and we wrote about this on our website, uh, and uh, I think I linked it in that Daily Caller article. She went so far as to threaten a church in upstate New York, which was holding a rally Um, that Eric Trump was going to uh, attend and threatening that the attorney general's office is watching. And if there is any violence or civil rights abuses that happen at this rally at the church, they will be all over it. Uh, Why is the attorney general preemptively 
writing to a political rally, letting them know we are watching you, that's totally inappropriate. There was no allegation that violence was planned. There's no allegation that violence happened. Uh, but this is because it was something that a tr pro-Trump rally, a Trump sympathetic rally at which one of the Trump children was going to appear at, the Attorney General's Office of the State of New York, uh, in a letter, I think she was the signatory on it, uh, telling them, we're watching you. That's totally inappropriate. Letitia James, I don't think, is uh, reflective of all prosecutors across the country. I don't think she's reflective necessarily of all Democrat prosecutors across the country. She really needs to be called out on this in the way she has politically weaponized the New York State Attorney General's office. By the way, when you talk about that case in Pennsylvania, it was a man by the name of Mark Houck, a founder of a, a Catholic ministry in Pennsylvania. More than 24 agents descended on uh, his home, arresting him in front of his family, where he allegedly uh, shoved a pro-abortion volunteer, escorting patients in and out of a Philadelphia Planned Parenthood. More than two dozen agents. To make that happen. And it, was, and it was a year ago, and his attorney has yes. gone public and said they off, he offered to turn himself in. So why is the FBI doing this? Uh, it's to send a political chill throughout the system, uh, and that's why it's being done. So there's a lot going on in this country that is extremely disturbing in the way that pol politics is driving prosecution. There was no need for a raid on this guy's house for a minor incident that took place a year ago in which he offered to turn himself in. Right, October of 2021 is when it uh, took yeah. place. Be sure to check out the op-ed at Daily Caller. Find it all at LegalInsurrection.com. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, LegalInsurrection.com. I always appreciate you taking the time. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. And if you think that the violent rhetoric is going to end, or the actual violence is going to end, the idea that government won't be utilized as a tool against its political enemies. Uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms, former mayor of Atlanta, now an advisor to Joe Biden, is letting you know, oh, no, 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 we're going to keep saying things like MAGA Republicans violent, even though we can't describe what a MAGA Republican is, and we're going to keep saying it until people, well, just start losing their minds. Well, I think it will be important for all of us who care about the United States of America to call out what we see. And what we see, again, with this MAGA Republican agenda is an effort to disrupt our democracy. So whether it be through November and beyond November, I think it will always be important to call out any effort there is to destroy, essentially destroy the United States of America. President Biden has been very clear he wants to work in a bipartisan effort. He has worked in a bipartisan effort. He's been able to get things done on behalf of our country. But when you have a MAGA Republican agenda that has no respect for the Constitution, that has no respect for free and fair elections, then it is important for all of us, not just the president, not just me, for all of us to call it out for what it is. It is a danger to our democracy. It People uh, who question elections don't believe in them. I'm not saying there aren't people who don't believe in the elections, just like there are people who referred to Donald Trump as illegitimate, like Stacey Abrams said that she wasn't going to concede losing to Brian Kemp, like Hillary Clinton said, of course, that uh, it was the Russians uh, that cost her the election and not her just terrible campaigning in places like Michigan. 
the hyperbole does have to come to an end, not from this administration. I'm, I'm concerned about election day. I'm concerned about the violence on election day. Why shouldn't I be? I don't want any. I want election day to go super smooth. And I would like uh, for the conservatives to come out victorious. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. It seems like uh, the House is heading that way. Still don't know about the Senate. But, I mean, there's some whole polling uh, worthwhile conversations that I've been sharing that I don't buy into. And I'll get into more on some of uh, that polling. I'll, I'll try and get to it. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today.